Welcome, Pewter Report readers, listeners, and viewers to another edition of the Pewter Report podcast, energized by Celsius. I'm John Ledyard from PewterReport.com, and Casey Hudson and JC Allen are with me today on the show because it's a big show, ladies and gentlemen. It is. Chris Bodwin has gotten the franchise tag again. And if you were hoping that this play could be avoided, so were we. But if you were hoping Carlton Davis would get tagged instead, not sure that was going to happen anyway. Unbelievably. We will talk about all of it on today's show. There's a lot to dive into here. Some very interesting stuff coming out oh, that's Bucks related today. But not only just Bucks related, we've got Russell Wilson getting traded. We've got Aaron Rodgers going back to the Packers. We've got Carlton Davis probably hitting free agency and the Bucks not really even trying to get to a deal with them before that point. Lots of stuff going on, and of course, we've got Josh Capo making his Pewter Report debut as well today to talk about his Bucks battle plan, which I'm excited about. So, what do you think, squad? Uh, it's been just kind of a normal, wound up, crazy <laughs> Tuesday, and and Chris Godwin is going to be a Buccaneer. But Casey, what do you think? Uh, what's your initial reaction to him getting the franchise tag? Do you think he's going to be able to get to a deal that will keep him around long term? I'm thinking so. Um, the hard part with franchise deals is that as much as it feels kind of like a mistrust issue or you're kind of waiting to pan out a few other things, it also does give you a chance to structure the best fit for both the player as well as the team. And there's just so many moving pieces this offseason for the Bucks. And, you know, Bruce Arians alluded to the fact that they're not rebuilding, they're polishing, and he really does want to bring back as many starters as possible, and their capital is in a critical position. So I trust the fact that this was probably at some odds the best decision. Do I love it? Absolutely not. I think that Chris Godwin just really deserved that that trustworthy, let's make a deal. We want you here. You're a huge asset to our team right off the bat, rather than kind of playing around the negotiations of it all. So, But it's offseason, and it wouldn't be offseason without all the right drama. Here we go. So it's true. Good. We are into it for sure. JC, <laughs> your reaction to this, this has taken us a little bit by surprise over the last couple of days. We really thought a, the deal might get done and b that Carlton Davis would be a higher priority for the bucks. than it seems like he is. Yeah. I'm going to channel my inner Scott and inner John here. What are you doing? You had a year <laughs> to negotiate this deal. What are you doing? Yeah. It's, it's crazy. I mean, you've had a full year to negotiate this deal. Well, not a full mm -hmm. year. That's you know, whatever. But you've had a behind the scenes and negotiate over a the year. Yeah. Of this deal. Oh yeah. Over. Well, technically, you have to stop negotiating. Yeah. When you consider last. Sure. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. But I mean, you've had plenty of time to hammer this out. And you before, know what? I'm going to yeah, blame before last year. I'm not going to blame the Bucks. I'm not going to blame Gowan's camp. I'm going to blame the Chargers and Mike Williams. I truly think they were probably close to a deal, and you know, working on the you know guaranteed money options, and then Mike Williams comes out with this ridiculous twenty million a year average on a three-year deal, or sixty million <laughs> with forty guaranteed to just say, "Oh, you guys are close." Yeah, Godwin's camp is like, "Nope, we're ripping this up. We we got to get anywhere close to this," which is not what you want, ideally. I mean, ideally, you'd like to have you can't pay Evans and you can't pay Godwin crazy money you already are but mm -hmm. 16 and a half million 17 tops i think is what you can realistically pay both of those guys and even then you're still paying 34 33 thousand dollars i mean million dollars a year on two wide receivers so it's really difficult it, it stinks that it didn't get done i agree with Kate, uh, casey i don't think it's any sign of disrespect if anything it's like hey we want you here you're important to us i don't think um having uh light and, and Bruce Aaron's going, I love Chris Godwin tore at the combine really helped the negotiating case. But yeah, I mean, it, it's difficult um, that they couldn't get done. They're so tied up against the cap. And I still think they do have the ability to get something done before free agency hits, you know, mm -hmm. these sides, obviously they were pretty close. Maybe they can come back together because you need that cap space. There's no doubt about it to resign your own guys, to make splashes in free agency. Right now, you couldn't even sign your draft class. So you, you've got to be able to do something, and that's sure. going to break it down. And as far as Carlton Davis goes, man, I mean, talking pre-show, I have him at a certain number. It sounds like you have, you're have you hearing a much higher number. It's To let him go out and test the market is just kind of insane to me. Um, even if slapping the franchise tag is a big number for a guy who hasn't been able to stay healthy. And really, as well as he's been as a lockdown player and locked down some of the best wide receivers in the game, he hasn't been a huge playmaker. Yeah, he gets his hands on a lot of balls, but he doesn't 
he doesn't complete the catches. Yeah, it depends how you define playmaking for sure. He needs to complete more catches, but in terms of getting their hands on the ball, there are a few corners in the league that do that more than him. And to me, that definitely falls under the umbrella of playmaking. With Carlton Davis, the situation is so unique or so bizarre, actually, I should just say, because I don't understand where the Bucks are coming from with their sudden rationale on, on, on Carlton Davis. It's just come out of nowhere. They've been crazy high on him they've all talked about how he changes their entire defense when he's out there the narrative around carlton davis top 10 corner from before the 2020 season before he broke out then he had a great season he played very well when he had 10 in the 10 games this year i would argue that these 10 games were his best football ever of his career he just happened to miss seven too with the quad injury yes he's on the injury report but a lot of it's like nagging short-term stuff he plays through a lot of it it's very strange to me that they could make this rationale about him, then all of a sudden go to Chris Godwin, who I, I absolutely want the Bucs to keep for sure, who's coming off a significant injury and has been injured, you know, consistently, kind of same as Godwin, just nagging stuff mm-hmm. and rationalize making him a, a priority enough to tag him for the second straight year. I just don't understand where they're coming from with all that. I know they value Godwin. But, man, losing Carlton Davis is just a massive blow. The fact that you could not get this done with Godwin is, by the way, not just the Bucks' fault. It is also the fault of Godwin and his representation for not being as responsive as they should have been. But both sides have to find a way to make it work in these situations and know when the deadline is. They got too close to it. They couldn't get it done. And now Carlton Davis is going to hit free agency. We are, we, Peter Board has learned there's no reason to expect him to get a deal from the Bucks before free agency opens. So, Tampa Bay is going to risk losing him. Uh, he would have been $17 million on the tag. I think to me that suggests the Bucs don't want to pay him $17 million per year in baseball we've heard kind of seems to be where they're at. So if another team wants to, and I think another team will, Carlton Davis probably isn't going to be back with the Buccaneers. Uh, that's shocking to me. I didn't think we'd be saying that a couple days ago, but it seems like it's where we're at going into the, the end of this offseason. So really stunning stuff, and it has been a just a – an off season from hell for the Bucks so far. Been some of it is that stuff they can't control. You can't control Tom Brady retiring or Ali Marpet retiring. Those things are out of control. This was the first thing that was controllable so far in the off season, and it just doesn't look like it's going the Bucks' way to kick things off, which is definitely a little bit depressing. Uh, let's get to some of these questions. Leo with the five dollars super chat. Thank Godwin. Not only won the money, but he also wanted to know what the quarterback situation was. Tagging him is a bad move. Bucks are not competing this year. I don't think he cared about the quarterback. I, I know people are still caught up on that. Yeah. I get we've addressed it a million times. But, Casey, this is – again, he's signing a long-term deal to be in Tampa Bay. Mm-hmm. He doesn't think that Gabbert's going to be his quarterback for four years in Tampa Bay. He's here because yeah. he loves it, because of the money, because of Mike Evans, those kind of things. I just – I really don't think this is this is part of the situation. He wants fair money, and Mike Williams just got $20 million per year, even if the contract's weird. We'll talk to Josh Capo about that in a second. But – it just doesn't seem like that's the rationale here with Godwin. No, I don't think that that's the case at all. Because usually when you find guys that are just really hooked on what the quarterback situation is, it's because they tend to be more one-dimensional or need a very specific guy to help them improve their game. Whereas Chris Godwin is such a you know an elusive and versatile wide receiver. He does very well managing with whoever is in the pocket for the most part. So I don't think that that's the weight of the situation at all. I think he's one of those players who's going to make the most of it and he has the capability to do so. Um, But you're also talking about, you know, do you trust Jason? Do you trust Bruce Arians? Mm -hmm. They've, they've had a good stride at building this team. And I know as a Bucks fan, it's really hard to go from, you know, the building to not knowing what's going to happen when Jameis Winston left to getting a guy like Tom Brady, Tom Brady, taking this team to a Super Bowl, getting close to this. Like, I think everyone's still riding the high of just of chance of what happened and how things panned out. But I think right. we all kind of need to come back down to earth and the reality of the situation. We need to go back two seasons and kind of realize that's where the bucks are still at. The bucks just kind of had to take it, take it a step back and rebuild from there. So I don't think it's a quarterback thing for Chris Godwin. Um, and something that you mentioned earlier when it comes to Carlton Davis, the only reason I'm not too surprised is because I don't think that the whole grave digger situation that everyone was excited to see this past season panned out. Those injuries were very yep. telling and we only know so much on our end, but mm. I do trust that there might be something that the staff knows where it's like, okay, they are capable of losing Carlton Davis and letting a guy step into that slot and still being just as effective, but they're going to have to make some hard decisions this off season, looking into the next two, three, four seasons. I don't think the bandaid of 
what can we do to have a good season next year is going to work because that's technically what they did by bringing back 22 starters. And while they became, you know, NFC South champions and, you know, still made it to playoffs and still did big things. I think that they know within that facility, what it's going to take to actually compete next year and to not just compete for one year, but to compete for the next Mm. two, three seasons to come. Right. I think there's some, there's some premises in the chat. I'm not really sure that I understand Nathan says reality bucks will be back to overpaying for average players. I don't really get this one. Where are they overpaying for average players? Nathan, can you unpack this one for us? I don't, we're not seeing that. We're talking about them not paying for a, a good, very good player here and maybe in a Carlton Davis, one that I believe they should be paying. But again, they've just made it harder for themselves by not being able to reach a long-term extension with uh, Chris Godwin, uh, JC, what's on the mind. I mean, yeah, I mean, I think that's kind of silly. Obviously, there's been some history of, you know, guys getting paid, you know, more than they should. And then obviously, you know, not I mean, the Bucks out. haven't handed out a bad contract but, in free agency literally since the Chris Baker to Sean Jackson offseason. Exactly. So that I mean, was years at, ago. You're looking at guys who should get paid and deserve to get paid. And it, it's, you know, as far as Godwin and the whole quarterback situation, you know, I think you were talking about earlier today. I'm going to quote you on Twitter and saying, you know, you're going with the franchise tag. There's a real chance that his numbers could possibly take a hit. He could get injured again this year. And, you know, if he's signing a long-term deal, he's that's generational life-changing money that's guaranteed to you, you know. So it, it makes more sense for him to take a long-term deal. And Jenna Lane of ESPN is reporting of that course. they're still working on a deal, you know, and they, they, they have high hopes they can possibly get it done, you know, before the legal tampering period. You're talking about Godwin. About Godwin. As far yeah. as Carlton Davis, if he goes – it's not. I, I mean, I don't mean to disagree with you there, Casey, but I don't think there's a soul here on the roster that can take his spot. And I've seen a lot of uh, people out there saying free agency in the draft. It's a heavy. There's a lot of good cornerbacks. A lot of good court. There's a. There are some good cornerbacks in the draft. None of them that the Bucks are going to be able to grab at 27 that that are going to be able to step in and do what Carlton mm. Davis can do. None of them in free agency. You know that that are going to be able to do what Carlton Davis do, unless you're paying for a J.C. Jackson or something like that over Carlton Davis. You know, there's guys who could come in and be a filler and a stopgap, and maybe then you know cornerback becomes a priority, and you and you do draft one high and have a year to develop them and see what you've got. But yeah, you know, this even, it, it's tough. And even if you did franchise tag Carlton Davis and you didn't come to an agreement, now you're heading into next year, and if Jim. Jamel Dean can stay healthy and play like the way. Now you're looking at paying three cornerbacks mm-hmm. potentially and having that whole roster turned over. So not signing Carlton Davis to me, you know, be and letting him hit the market is. I don't is think that they can be replaced. I just think that there's a much larger picture that they're trying to fill out here versus like bringing certain guys back. Um, Cause it doesn't make sense. I agree. Like I thought Carlton Davis was going to be a priority. We know mm-hmm. that this is somehow going to affect the Jordan Whitehead situation at one point. And then we've got Chris Godwin who really does deserve to be here. So it's just kind of like, I'm trying to put myself to figure out what are they foreseeing more than, you know, the next season or the next two, three, four seasons out as to why they would risk Carlton Davis. Cause we know that these guys also want to be paid. I mean, losing Tom Brady, losing Marpet, losing certain guys is placating into all of the free agents. You know, it was like 30 minutes ago, all of a sudden Leonard Fournette's tweeting like it's in God's hands. Okay. Well, this is a guy that I would love to see back in a Bucks jersey, but now what's the domino effect here as to why they're taking chances on certain players versus not. And I yeah. know that Bruce Arians said, or, you know, you guys were talking about at the combine, how Bruce Arians was saying they don't really want to pick up many free agents. They don't want to do many trades. It looks like they're trying to solidify a lot of the, the core of what they have now. So right. there's just kind of a bigger thing to, to it. Yeah. I, I, I'm, I believe that they are trying to solidify the core. It's crazy to me that Carlton Davis isn't seen as like an obviously vital part of that core. Not only just from my own observations for the last two years of him clearly being a really good corner or the fact that I'm, I know the demand out there for him is going to be great. So mm-hmm. how the rest of the league sees him, but also how Tampa Bay has used him shadowing number ones you just don't see corners used like that and then just kind of been like yeah you know unless mm-hmm. it's like a new england for example like with they do that that's the only the only teams that does they're going to do that again with jc jackson but because the, they just don't believe people are you know players are worth paying for the most part but most organizations don't operate like that so it becomes very head scratching because the bucks are such a straight up honest about uh, you know their players if they love them they love them and it's mm-hmm. just what it comes down to at cap time that's i think why this is most surprising joseph brings up a good point here have to ride it out with smb yikes this is the real <laughs> truth of this situation 
it's not only do you lose your one of your best players on defense and one of your most important players at one of your most important positions, potentially, but you also have to then play a player that is one of your worst players on the team. You have to – he basically – SMB is going to be playing. They're not going to replace two corners. It's very unlikely with all their other needs in the same offseason. So now SMB has to be playing major snaps again when he is clearly yeah. proven to not be good outside regardless of the scheme – now you've got to rely on him moving forward. Recipe for disaster in that way. He should be the player you're trying to replace this yeah. offseason. And obviously, and Carlton Davis is not gone yet. We're just saying, like, this is going to make it hard for the Bucs to bring him back, especially if straight up, not that they don't can't bring him back, but they just don't seem to value him like I believe other teams in the market are going to value him, and Carlton's going to yeah. take the payday. That's the thing, too. If you do have to move SMB outside, well, now you have a huge hole at nickel. Because it's a passing league, and most of the time they're not there. They're in, they got three cornerbacks well, on the that, field. That so could be fine because they need a nick. They need to upgrade. They need well, I know they need an upgrade in nickel. I know, I know. But I'm saying, well, I mean, <laughs> now you gotta you gotta throw a different guy in there. Who doesn't know the system. Doesn't know the scheme. Whatever, anything like that. Now, what do you do? Do you move Antoine Winfield Jr. into this into the slot? And now Mike Edwards is your guy. Do you? I mean, it opens up money to possibly keep Whitehead. There's so many domino effects yeah. of losing Carlton Davis in free agency. And it's mm -hmm. not just losing him as a corner. It's losing what you have and your ability to um, use different players at different times and different positions and schematically versatility uh, on the defensive back end, too. So it, it's just, yeah. I mean, even so, I mean, because you can pretty much leave Carlton Davis on an island with some of these guys. Sean Murphy mm. Bundy not going to do that. No. So now you're taking yeah. Antoine Winfield Jr. out of a playmaking position because he, he's going to have to help him over the top the whole time. I mean, it's just it's it's unfathomable that they're yeah. just going to let him go and say, hey, tell us what you're worth and we'll decide if we want to match it or not. Yeah. The one thing that works in the Bucks' favor for all these conversations about contracts, whether it's Kappa, Godwin, whatever, is thank goodness florida doesn't have a state tax and if these guys don't care about being the highest paid mm -hmm. you can rationalize it say well you can get 16 and a half million there well we'll give you 15 here and it's mm -hmm. going to be a wash and maybe right. that's a saving grace to keep some of these guys yeah there are other states too and other teams obviously with no state income yeah. tax but it is an advantage the bucks will have over some teams for sure right. so perhaps that plays a, a role in it we'll see leo says chargers screwed the ball box with the williams deal very possible. I personally believe, based on everything we're hearing all throughout the day, Godwin was getting the tag no matter what. I don't yeah. think the Bucks were totally in the dark about what uh, was happening with other players and contracts, and neither were Godwin or his representation. Those guys talk. They know what the deal is. And so I don't think it was like it caught him by surprise. Um, if anything, it's just the wide receiver market may be going back up, and we'll see. And I think that'll be the situation they have to deal with. The Godwin tag was probably coming no matter what. Also, we need to be careful moving forward. We, there's no real reason based on what Peter Reports learned and what Scott reported in an article that just went up on Peter Report about 15 minutes ago that the Bucs weren't going to use that franchise tag on Carlton Davis, even if they didn't use it on Chris, mm -hmm. on Chris Godwin. So one did not result in the other. Let's put it that way. The, the two situations can be analyzed now separately. Uh, and I guess that makes the Chris Godwin tag not as big of a deal if we look at it that way. However, they need to get this this cap number down for this year. And, and they will, I believe. It's not like they're up against the deadline to do that right now. They have a long time before they have to get compliance with that. But I definitely think – but it's going to help them knowing what that number will look like or having a, a week and a, a half. About number. a long time. <laughs> well, I mean, it, no, it's you don't have to necessarily have everybody like locked in at a certain number at that point in time. Yeah, There's going to be movements that still happen in the cap. It's not like you don't have to like know exactly what that looks like at, at that point in time. You don't have to have it – like actually finished at that point, you know, you what, can work is, toward that. You can you work toward that cap, over time. You do have to be cap compliant though. When France free agency starts though, correct? Uh, I, I don't know how compliant you have to be. I mean, I think you have to, we'll bring Josh Capo on in a second. Yeah, I'm last I'm pretty sure you're so many goals, so I don't know where the compliance, right. like where you're being held accountable for compliance while you're still trying to fill certain gaps. I but, will kind of see that more on the back end of it, but yeah, but John, we'll still have to work toward too. that. The end. wide receiver market, maybe it's a stretch for me to say this, but I think just from how a lot of games were won this year and how a lot of things took place, like that wide receiver market, I think did kind of escalate a bit. You're when you think about conversations that took place revolving around heading into playoffs and, and Super Bowl, you know, you're talking about guys like Cooper Cup who have so much value and so much distinction in this league. Yeah. Uh, Debo Samuel, there's just so many wide receivers that stood out so much and that kind of upped the ante in this past season. I know that we, there's always great wide receivers, but I just kind of feel like there was just a little more gusto this season. Could totally be exaggerating it, but I mean, 
you know, but if that, you might be right, it looks like that right now. It looks yeah. like it's a possibility for some guys, at least last year was so weird. Kenny Galladay got the bag and everybody else just didn't. And then Galladay was just complete crash to burn. One of the worst deals probably in recent free agent history. Mm -hmm. And that would have, if anything, coupled with another good wide receiver class to me would have pushed it back down. It doesn't seem like it's trending that way. I heard from a couple cap people after the Williams deal hit and they were just like, Whoa, got to see the guaranteed years on this, but this seems like the wide receiver market might be back. And, they were not expecting it like that at all. So we will obviously see what happens. All this is all this fun and craziness and non-funness. Uh, well, all of it is brought to you by our friends over at Celsius because Celsius as the title sponsors of the Peter Report podcast, they power active lives every day with essential functional energy and a variety of wonderful flavors. I'm rocking the watermelon berry, the non-carbonated. It's healthy energy, natural caffeine, it accelerates metabolism, burns body fat, and has no sugar in it, yet has unbelievable taste. It is a you can see a variety of other flavors up there on your screen. But Celsius is terrific stuff. And by the way, you can check it out for yourself today. You can go to Celsius.com, use the store locator to find out where they're selling Celsius near you. Or you can go to Amazon, do the subscribe and save option, get Celsius coming to your house on a regular basis, or click those banner ads over at PeterReport.com as well. That could be another option for you in terms of being able to add to the amount of Celsius that you have. Also, I would be remiss if I did not mention the fast protein bars. You can click the link that is in the YouTube description. 20 hold fast is the promo code. You can save 20% on fast protein bars by Celsius over on Amazon. The white chocolate cookies and cream and the salted caramel peanut crunch. They're both fantastic. You can get yourself a variety pack when you do this too. So you don't have to just try one. You can try both. But man, 20 grams of protein in one of these absolutely can replace a meal, can replace sweets, can help so much in terms of health and conditioning. So it's great stuff. Make sure you check out the fast protein bars as well. What? All right, what, crew. Are you sipping on over there? Would you say watermelon berry? Oh, yeah. A little watermelon <laughs> that berry, my friend. Great. Watermelon berry. the cucumber oh, lime, and it tastes like uh, spray. I'm not a big soda or pop person, whatever yeah. you guys like to call it, but. Oh, if is I that was, good? It's very spritey for me. Yeah, it tastes just like a Sprite for me. And Celsius saves lie. lives. That's not an advertisement. My life has been saved. <laughs> a couple people. Me. Shane says, Celsius is the bomb. I'm hooked. Haven't tasted a bad one yet. Uh, it's true, true, Shane. It really, it really is wild uh, how, how good they are. We welcome to the show for the first time, Josh Capo, Hello. the new pewter reporter. Josh, what is up, my friend? It's great to have you on the show. Thank you. I appreciate it. I'm very excited to be on. JC giving you sound effects and applause. I don't think I got that. On I know. Jesus. I was like, JC, we could have used that a couple of different yeah, times. Yeah. I feel very blessed. Thank you, JC. That was a, that was a great intro. JC no, basically stop. lives for the opportunities that he has to hit that soundboard and give us a little something we didn't have before from the sound. Oh, boy. Here we go. Josh, help us out here with the cap situation with Godwin. How long do the Bucks have to get him kind of compliant in terms of if they wanted to take that number down and right. where do you think that number goes down to with a, if they were to look at a long-term deal with God, what do you think his 2022 cap hit is yeah. likely to be? So as, as I understand it, um, they don't have to be cap compliant with him until he signs the contract. So that's a big thing is when okay. he actually puts pen to paper, that's when they'll have to be com cap compliant teams have right. to be cap compliant at all times. And during the off season, it's the top 51 um, salaries that count against the, the cap uh, because they are bringing on a lot of extra players over their normal 53-man roster throughout the season. Right. So that's where you'll have the time. Godwin most likely won't sign the franchise tag as they try to work towards this, this other deal. That's the way I believe it is. I'll have to double check on that, but I'm, I'm almost certain that that's the case. I think you're right about that uh, because I, I'm pretty sure that makes sense. So they'll have ample time to get that number down, but it's still helpful, right, Josh, because they need to know what that number will look like in order to be able to sign other free agents. If they're like, oh, you have to play on the tag, and then they get to, you know, whenever he's going to sign the, the tag, which is like, what, like let's say mid-July, right. and all of a sudden they haven't been able to bring that number from, from you know, 19.2 down to six, for example, then all of a sudden you got to start cutting people. So, exactly. Right? Yeah. Is that so how it works? They'll, they'll probably use the 19.2 kind of as a, a – I mean, it's obviously going to be a ceiling. No long-term contract that they – they are able to work out. We'll have a cap number that's higher than that. It'll most likely come in lower, but they're going to use that kind of as a soft ceiling as they go through some of the other contracts. 
So so he's getting less than Mike Williams per year. Is that what we're looking at? We're looking at a world like that. (laughs) For the first year, yes. So keep in mind when when they if he goes to a a long term deal, um, that first year number is not going to be twenty million dollars. Mike Williams's number in twenty twenty two is not going to be twenty million dollars. Yeah, I was throwing around some figures in my head. I think Mike Williams this year is probably going to end up around a twelve million dollar cap hit even though the average over those three years is going to be at 20 million. So, um, and the same thing will be true of Godwin. If they hammer out that big, you know, a big deal, it's not going to be 19 or $20 million this year. The only world where that happens is if he signs the tag and they don't get the the long-term deal done. Hmm, interesting. And I know we all expected him to be back, but we've talked a little bit about the Carlton Davis situation and it, what would you say? I mean, now him hitting the market, you what do you expect this price tag to be? And how much do you think that decreases his chances of being a buck just based on the fact that they seem willing to they seem like they weren't going to use the tag on him even if they got a long-term deal that we got? Yeah, um, that one's a little surprising. You know, uh, overall, I I think we were talking about it a couple weeks ago, and, and I said four for 65 or four for 70 seemed very in line with kind of um the market. Um, with J.C. Jackson being around there as well. And I don't think many people at that time thought J.C. Jackson was going to hit the market. I think the Patriots, a lot of people thought that the Patriots were going to use um, the franchise tag on him or potentially get a long-term deal. So with both of those guys hitting the market, it certainly creates um, a whole new dynamic to the cornerback market because Stefan Gilmore was kind of the guy, but Stefan Gilmore is a little bit up there in age and it was going to probably be a shorter pack. Now you have two young guys in the middle of their primes who for all intents and purposes are considered top 20 guys. And that's going to really alter the market overall. You're talking longer term deals for big money. Um, John, I know you had just mentioned earlier in the, in the, uh, the podcast here that you were hearing, you know, some pretty big numbers and uh, that four for 70, I was thinking about that may be on the low end at this point. Yeah. It's How does this affect your well. battle plan? These things that popped out today, like with Chris Godwin situation and then the potential yeah. of losing Carlson. <laughs> um, <laughs> I know all of us are like, what the heck? That's Jason right. So, this whole thing. For like, the, yeah. Yeah. I think the biggest yeah. effect it has, Casey, is that it means I'm not going to write my battle plan as early as I did this time <laughs> next year. So Management forced you into it. For those of you who yeah. know, by the way, Josh Capo's battle plan for the offseason, Bucks battle plan for the offseason. I will drop the link into the chat here for a second but that went up about an hour before the godwin <laughs> tag hit yeah. although we knew it, it was, was coming probably so yeah i had most of it actually worked out uh, a while back and oh, then yeah. um i learned the hard way maybe i hold off on on that and sending it in because uh, josh got out of that did his, yeah you did your <laughs> battle plan like three different times two weeks at a time but i appreciated it. yeah yeah it's helpful so though, what changes good. I yeah, was um, about that. Job. So, I mean, it, looking at the reality, I, I did have Carlton Davis getting signed to a long-term deal. I think I did have it for four years, $70 million. And I did have Godwin signing a long-term contract, which based on the Mike Williams deal may come in very low um, versus what his value may end up being. Um, so I think those are the two big changes. And uh, depending on you know where those contracts end up, it means that probably some of the other unrestricted free agents that I was eyeing in my battle plan, I may not have been able to afford. I was going to say, because like, where do you think that kind of manipulates or, or changes the other free agents on this roster? Because I, I know I keep repeating it, but I just keep circling back to the fact that like Jason and, and Bruce want to keep as many of these guys as possible. Are there any free agents that you really see completely out the door now that, you know, Carlton's going to hit the free agency market and, and Godwin with this tag? Because you got Leonard for you got these guys that everybody's yeah. so anxious to find out where they're going to go, what's going to happen. Yeah, if anything, I think it could mean that we they bring back more. Um, so uh, with Carlton Davis hitting the the market and potentially signing elsewhere, that's a lot of money that they would have committed to him that they now have an opportunity to bring back, say, a Jordan Whitehead um, mm-hmm. or potentially like a, a Leonard Fournette. So I think that it gives them the option to go with more bodies from their 2021 roster. Just when you look at their comparative performance, Carlton Davis, I would say, is in a tier above a lot of the guys that they would be able to bring in for the extra money. Yeah. I mean, yeah, like it could be guys, the big question Whitehead, is, do you example. want Whitehead back and Leonard oh. Fournette? Like what guys would you want back and risk losing somebody yeah. else? I, I, and I'm yeah, going to on that cap, in my yeah. bottle plan. Yeah. I'm fine to move on from Fournette. I'm fine. I want Whitehead back, but I'm, 
fine to move on from Fournette. I'm fine to move on from Jensen. I, you know, I, I would love to keep him. I just at, at his at the rate he's probably going to get, it's just for me, it, it's not yeah. it's yeah. not worth it. You don't want to chase that. a 31 year old One, center to the top of the market. Yeah. I want to. I'm, One of I'm the things Josh too. I want to get rid of Josh. Josh had Josh Wells going. I'm all aboard the Josh Wells. See you later, train. <laughs> at 31 Jeez. years old. I appreciate that he filled in very admirably when when he was banged up, when Tristan Wirfs. But, you know, there's other options out there that can come in at swing tackle and, and give you exactly what he but on But on do. one leg? On one leg. Oh, you think you would have been any better on two legs, John? Come on. Yes. <laughs> yes, it would have been better on two legs. Season for Josh would have been Wells. half yeah. as bad on two legs. <laughs> Every time Josh things. Wells entered the game, you, you – and. <laughs> You and Paul would start. What are you doing in there, Josh Wells? Every time yeah, he was, he was trying to pass protect hopping on one leg. Go ahead, Josh Q. What's what's? Oh, what you, what I was just going to say one of the things, kind of going back to Casey, what you said earlier in terms of the the larger plan. As I'm trying to process this Carlton Davis decision that the Bucks made, I'm trying to think maybe they're thinking a year ahead. Maybe they are a lot higher on Jamel Dean than many of us think they are. Mm -hmm. And when they start thinking about who are we committing long-term money to, if they make a big commitment to uh, Carlton Davis this year, and we expect that they'll make a big commitment to Antoine Winfield in a couple years, that probably doesn't leave them the room to go big on another corner. So if they're really high on Jamel Dean, they could be waiting for next year to get a long-term deal done for him. And they mm -hmm. see him as that cornerstone that and letting Carlton Davis go. So that's the one thing that's kind of been bandying about my mind on that one yeah. uh, in terms of maybe they're thinking one year ahead on that. And they think that Dean can rise into that role this year. Um, again, kind of going back to what you guys were talking about earlier, though, that does put SMB back into that starting outside role, which isn't ideal. No, See, I would rather either play either Carlton way. Davis and AWJ right now. I just think you worry about Winfield Jr. when you worry about him. You got to keep Carlton Davis. He's just those cornerbacks aren't available. <coughs> but some of that stuff has to like that domino effect. Some some of those things have to start now. I think right. the really I think the hard part with the Bucks and where their back is really against the wall is that all the injuries that took place this season were extremely eye opening. Now, did we love how a lot of those games panned out? Absolutely not. But were there very significant plays that showed flashes of maybe we can bet on this versus that? Maybe this can actually play out to a bigger effect down the line. I think that they're seeing something else there because. You know, Carlton Davis was out for a while. Jordan Whitehead stepped up in so many ways. I'll admit, I didn't even realize how not only versatile, but how effective Jordan Whitehead was for a while until a lot of those people started going down. And then you see him being moved here and being so, so effective. Casey, are you and saying he can get that less Carlton, money? Yeah. Are you saying Carlton Davis being injured opened the door for the Bucks to see that maybe he's not as valuable as they thought he was the year before? Yes. And, that other, he's and more I think that they're looking. Yeah. I think that him being out made him look replaceable because they're thinking, okay, we gave, you know, Dean more time, the more confidence that guy got, the better that he ended up playing. And in certain games, you know, a lot of us were like, crap, rely on him more, use him more, mm -hmm. give him the rest. That's true. But because yeah. of how his resume and his, and his um, career started, they don't have to pay him what they pay a Carlton Davis and they might not have to do it anytime soon. And he's one of those guys who's just going to be grateful for the opportunity that they're, he's not going to be asking for much. Cause you have to think that too, like a lot of these guys, there's a maturity and a mentality that plays into all this contracting. For instance, somebody asked about Leonard Fournette. I think Leonard Fournette matured so much in Tampa <coughs> and he had so many eye-opening experiences here that the guy who just wanted to be paid last season, he's not going to particularly be that guy. He wants money but he's not going to probably bat super high as he did beforehand. And yeah. I mean, I had personal conversations with him about it. And I think a lot of what the staff gave him on a, on a mental level brought him down just a little bit. And I think that might be talking about Dean or who are you talking about here? I was using uh, Leonard Fournette as an example. Oh, like Fournette how example. Guys when it comes to talking about contracts down the line. Yeah. So Dean's right. not going to, Dean just seems so excited to play football. I don't think he's going to be asking for much anytime soon. That's yeah, why if Carlton Davis goes, I would I, – and I brought this up, and John and you and Scott kind of disagree with me, but if Carlton Davis does leave, I think you, you could steal Dean on a three-year deal, like $21, 24000000 million. Sign him now before he proves that he's a top cornerback and hits the market next year after franchise tag him if Carlton Davis goes. Well, I don't there's a lot of factors to look at here. I'm not totally disagreeing with you, Casey, because I do think it's possible. The reality is the Bucks won most of their games when Carlton Davis was out, and 
But it's really important to take into consideration the fact, I think, if you're the Bucs, that they mm-hmm. played the worst slate of passing offenses in the NFL last season. And by okay. far, it wasn't even close between them and the next second closest team. So that was a factor with their defense. And it was even more of a factor during the stretch Carlton Davis was out when they faced, I mean, they were facing the bottom tier passing offenses in the NFL and they were surviving still, but it wasn't necessarily pretty. And I do think his value to the team was clear in that way. Although Mm -hmm. the results of the game didn't necessarily, it wasn't like they dropped a ton of games. Once that happened, I still think his value is clear to the team. I hear what everybody's saying about Dean, but like we also got a we're talking about a guy that Carlton Davis, they don't think he can say all the Dean got went out like six different times last year, like six different games with different injuries. That dude mm-hmm. has not been able to stay on the field for the last two years. I mean, I don't think it's anything a major issue, but if that's a concern with Carlton Davis, who's been better and more consistent than Dean, then it should be a concern with Dean as well yeah. moving forward. Not to mention the fact Sean Murphy Bunting has been pretty much a nightmare when he's played. Dean made improvements. But we are still a long way away yeah. from talking about a guy that we're ready to lock into to any significant money. And I think that's worth mentioning there, too. And don't get me wrong. I don't want anyone to get like go off the deep end here. I'm not saying Dean is better than Davis. I'm not even saying that they're on the same playing field. I'm just saying in terms of money down the line, how, you know, depending on how much Dean's confidence grows, the player that he has the potential of growing into, you have to think a lot of contractual things are based on potential. So that's what I mean by the Bucks might just see a different potential in Dean in terms of mm-hmm. what the team's going to look like that later down the line versus now. I'm not saying that Dean is better than Davis. I'm not sure. even like discounting Davis. I think yeah. he's a mess. Oh, I got you. The secondary. Right. Okay. I think too, and I mean the chat is full of just Debbie Downers saying, "Oh, we're gonna be five hundred, and you know we're at least wait till free agency happens." Yeah, why are we talking about a cornerback when we don't have a quarterback? Well, that's part of the that's part of the problem, right? If you're not gonna have a quarterback, if you're rolling with Blaine and and Kyle and Griff as your three quarterbacks this season, you need to have a good, solid defense, an elite defense, especially if you're talking about winning the division. I mean, you have to be able to fortify your defense if you're going to have a subpar quarterback and and if trask does turn out to be the guy he's on a rookie deal for two more years think of all the money you have to invest in those guys and you just have to take advantage of that while you can i mean you're looking at the at the falcons who are begging someone to trade for matt ryan to get out of that their team is in shambles of calvin ridley gambling away his life you've got the the Saints who are in the same position over the cap, no quarterback. And now the Panthers are just trying to get rid of the, the only good player they have. They're trying to trade Christian McCaffrey away. So this division is right. Yeah. Well, yeah. Come to camp. Uh, the division is right for the taking. And if DJ you're not Moore is have, a good player. DJ Moore is a good player. I just like to say that, but Josh, let's get back to your battle plan here because you like Scott do not have the bucks acquiring quarterback. Really? I mean, a quarterback of note away. Uh, Scott did have them drafting one later in the draft, but you need to ride in the blame. What's that, Casey? If I see Trask in his battle plan, I'm going to burn it. Oh, it's so, easy. What is you? you are you going to cut Trask, Casey? Is he not going to be in your battle plan? Are you cutting him? He's not touching the field next season. Wow. Casey's out here oh, absolutely hey, aligning okay. herself with Florida State yeah. truthers. So Casey's <laughs> going to have to get her lighter ready um, because <laughs> yeah. the, uh, you know, the, the, the approach that I took was re-signing Blaine Gabbert. Um, and basically, you know, you're going to start the year with him. And if the season goes well in a down NFC South, sure, he can continue to be our starter. But if it doesn't look like it's going to go very well there, that we do transition to see what we have in a Kyle Trask. So, and not mortgaging the future for um, any average starters and understanding that, especially uh, you saw the trade today for, with um, a reported trade for Russell Wilson that we just don't have the bullets in the chamber to go out and outperform in a trade like a Denver um, or some of these other teams that have higher picks mm-hmm. than the Bucks do. So your Russell Wilson's off the table, your Aaron Rodgers is off the table. I'm not willing to give up similar packages for Derek Carr or Kirk Cousins. Mm-hmm. So what does that leave us with? That leaves us with Blaine Gabbert and finally figuring out what do we have with Kyle Trask later in the season. So that well, let is me ask the, you this the way that oh, I got with that one. Yeah, no, I agree with you completely. It's both realistic. And I think that that's important to, to distinguish here. Let me ask you this, Mike Evans, you have him getting a contracts extension, two years, 35 million, 25 million guaranteed, adding two more years onto his deal. He's under contract 2022 and 2023 right now. So you would have him locked up through 2025 and he'd be yep. a free agent in 2026. 
at that point he'd be i'm trying to do it in my head what is he 32 or 33 years old something like that i believe because he's is he 28 uh, yeah i think that would now. be around so there yeah somewhere around there so closer to the end of his career at that point you're it's like levante david you'll just tack a year on if he wants to keep playing type of thing probably yep. um do you think this is realistic like i know we're some of these battle plans by the way for people who don't know we try to keep them realistic but also what we would do it's like a combination mm -hmm. of both we don't want to go crazy like they're going to trade for patrick mahomes but we also don't want to do like a situation where we're talking about you know things that are, are, are things that we think just the team would do and not what we would do because then they use lose their uniqueness so do you think this might get is this just what you want to happen or do you think this is like is he in a real position two years left on his deal It'd be kind of unusual but could they really extend him this offseason I do. I think that they could. I think that it's probably something that they're looking into. Um, it can help them from a cap standpoint this year. Um, it helps to ensure that like Levante David, it, there's a good likelihood that he spends his entire career in Tampa Bay, given who Mike is in the locker room, what he's been as a player and who he is in the Tampa Bay community. I think that, that there's, it's a no brainer from that standpoint. Um, up until about three hours ago, I thought the numbers were great. And then Mike Williams happened and maybe I'm a little optimistic on what those numbers look like. And that's really, I think that the, the only unrealistic standpoint of that is what this Mike Williams contract is going to do to wide receivers across the league. Right. I, I agree. I agree with Josh. I think Mike Evans is a prime candidate to get extended this year. I have them extending him myself. Uh, I have him a little less. I think he's going to come in around 16 and a half. I know you had him around 17 and a half. 16 and a half is what he makes now, by the way, for people. Yeah. Just extending that two two years out. So I think, um, you know, this is a guy who says it's not about the money. I, I know right. it's not about the money for him. Um, it's about, <laughs> more so it's about finishing his career as a buck and, and letting the bucks do uh, things. He's always been one of the first players they've gone to, to restructure, which it's him because he gets the money up front. But I think he's definitely a candidate. I think Smith too. Donovan Smith could get another year tacked on to kind of stretch out that those cap hits and bring his number down oh as well. So. <laughs> Pretty soon, Donovan's just going to be under contract. I'm not, 40 the, hey, I'm not the only one saying that, man. Even all yeah, so man, I went a little bit different than I went a little. Oh, bit I'm not saying I'm not on Donovan yeah. fifth. Um, rather than extending, I, I just went with a basic restructure for yeah. for Donovan. So seems, um, yeah, it seems maybe more likely at this point. But yeah, yeah. Um, okay, I got to ask you about Juju Smith-Schuster. Like yeah. what's happening? Because you have the box sign and Juju Smith Schuster, one year, seven and a half million. I don't think people realize that this. I don't know if you know if they bring back. I mean, obviously Godwin's coming back, so I don't know how realistic it is that they'll spend that kind of money. But such a good fit. It just seemed to make a lot of sense to me. I, I had this on. I wrote about it probably two months ago for the first time. But I think that yeah, this is this one might have some real legs, right? Yeah, and kudos to you for putting me onto it. Um, you know, I, I think Juju per plays a perfect complement into the system. Um, the Bucks play a lot of eleven personnel. That third wide receiver is very important. We saw what that looked like when you have a high level um, talent on the field like AB, and then we saw what that looked like when you didn't have a high level talent on the field when when Godwin went down um, and when AB went out how that offense changes. And so getting a, a reliable talent like Juju and for that kind of price, I mean, that's, that could be a huge bargain. Um, he's coming off of a down year where he got hurt and that was on a one year, $8 million deal. That's why I think I had him in there for one year, seven and a half million, you know, because the injury pulls back some of his value, he becomes a huge opportunity for the bucks to strike rich on that. Yeah, interesting stuff. Okay, we're going to go around real quick and let you know, and you can respond to as we go through. How about we each let Josh know our favorite part of his battle plan and our least favorite part of his battle plan? Or Josh, are you welcoming these compliments and criticism? Are you ready for it? I tweeted about it. Let's see okay. if you guys like what I can right. roll with. Okay, I'll give Casey, I'll give you a second to look. Casey, I'll give you a second to look. I'll, I'll go first, and then Casey, you can go after me, and then Casey will finish with you, and then we'll let Josh get out of here. But one of my favorite parts of battle plan that we haven't mentioned is Maurice Hurst on the $1.5 million deal because he's exactly what the Bucs are looking for. They want to get quicker and more explosive at defensive tackle. He's When he's been healthy, he's done that. For this low rate, you take a risk on his health, but he's been a really good player when he's been on the field. He was a top 10 player for me in that class. He fell because of the heart thing. He's been great when he's been out there, but he hasn't been out there enough. So he needs to be out there for sure. If you're spending big money on him, obviously I'm opposed, but he is going to be very cheap. He fits exactly what they're looking for as a rotational player. He'll play 20, 25 snaps a game. He gives them the penetrating type of player that Bruce Arians was talking about. So I'm all about that. 
potential fit. One I am out on, not because the price isn't that significant. I'm out on the Jared Cook into the box because of his age, not really fitting the window as much, and the fact that he doesn't block worth squat i think bruce arians will be furious at this dude at the first practice it'll toss him out of there so that's that's my that's my feedback thoughts there jc what do you got oh I'll, i got a couple of them first of all we're on like the no, same no line. no one each don't be blasting this guy hold on hold on no no no, no. if he's got a couple of good guns, ones let's JC. roll with it if he's got a couple okay. of things he doesn't like all let's right. limit it to one i'm gonna okay. no, i'm gonna go with the good one i was given the good ones first i was gonna say uh, well, i don't want him to get a big head thing. either <laughs> for this mind melt thing i think we have the same idea going on with uh your second round pick um right, josh and, and josh and yeah, and also um, special teams. Yep. See you later. Uh, I think we, we got that going on too. the same. So there's definitely there's definitely some things we have in common on our, on our things. And I, and I think everyone will have some things in common. Uh, I got to agree with John, though. I'm not a huge fan of Jared Cook. And the biggest thing is, I think I don't know if you can replace Jordan Whitehead. I liked your reasoning uh, with getting um uh, Kirby in the third round, Kirby uh, Kirby Joseph in the third round, and allowing Antoine Winfield to play more along uh, along the line of scrimmage and everything like that. But uh, I I think Whitehead is just so important to what this team does, and and I don't think he's going to have a robust market just because of the type of sa- the type of safety he is, and because quite frankly the NFL is paying a boatload of safeties right now. There's over 20 guys making over eight million, and I just don't know if there's enough money for another team to be like, oh, let's put it all in on another guy. So I, I think I would, I would rather keep Jordan Whitehead around. I'm with you with Joshua. I'll see you later. Um, but I do like the reasoning behind it. Yeah. Whitehead was one of the hardest for me. And actually I, I think a couple of readers pointed out, I, I ended up not doing anything with him. I didn't have him as somebody we didn't resign. I didn't have him as somebody we did resign. He didn't end up on my way too early 53. So some he, was, readers. he wasn't on your final roster. So I yeah. just added him to the nuts to the not resign. Yeah. So they, they, uh, they were very astute in that. And, and he, I, he was the last one. And it just came down to with everything else that I wanted to do. I couldn't afford him. I love Whitehead. I, I love what he brings mm-hmm. to the, the defense in terms of his physicality. Um, and, and you know, that Jets game, I think it was, or it was the Panthers game towards the end of the season. He just took it over and yeah, he brings that, he brings that to the the team. And I love him. I just couldn't afford him. That was the, the biggest thing. So um, I yeah. completely agree with you, JC. I'd love to see him back on the roster next year. All right, Casey, what do you got for him? Oh man. No, I'm kidding. Um, <laughs> got that lighter ready. Brings out the red pen, the red right. pen, Bruce Arians rumored to Actually, take the bottom up with game plans. Josh, welcome to the team. Thank you. Um, no, I pen. agree with just about all of your unrestricted agent, not no signs. This is going to be she my goes, new thing. Well, okay, let I me see here. Let's rip this thing to pieces. I like Robert I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Glasses. Okay. I don't see Jordan Whitehead going anywhere. If we're really going to talk about any kind of key asset to the secondary, it's him more than anybody. Um, special teams. Now, maybe growing up a Bucks fan, seeing a lot of how the Bucks situations worked out, the curse of the kicker. Ryan Suckup reversed that. Whether we love how he performed this past season, like that kicker, that kicker curse was pretty, pretty brutal. And when he came in last season, he gave so everybody so much hope. So I don't see the entire special teams unit just being like bye bye unless you're going to find a way to fire Darden. Then you guys know where I stand there. <laughs> um, I do like the tight ends that you want to bring in because I would love to see a lot more realistic twelve personnel or just some real tight end work on the field and. I don't know what's going to happen when it comes to Cameron Bray. He just kind of digressed in a, in, in a way this past season, and they're going to have to find some ways to fill in. O.J. Howard didn't pan out. A lot of guys just didn't pan out, and they've got to figure out something with that tight end position. Jared mm-hmm. Cook might not be a bad idea. Don't love the mm-hmm. quarterback thing. Ryan Griffin's got to go. I don't even know why he's still <laughs> getting paid by the Bucks at all. <laughs> She's going after your QB3. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, you asked, for, you asked for a loaded opinion here. Um, my favorite thing about the whole battle plan is draft pick NDSU Christian Watson. Let's go. Yeah. Yep. If they could get him in the second round at 59, which I don't think it's crazy, by the way, at all. But if they could get him in the late second round, that would be awesome. I think that it's be. so it's so doable, and it's, it's just they need to make it work. 
but mm-hmm. yeah other than that definitely love the battle plan this is coming from somebody who's like other than, out other half than, of other than everything <laughs> other than ryan griffin <laughs> and Get ryan. Griff. like he can go he can go do some time in cali before he calls it a career like, you think he'll join russell wilson up in colorado Send them somewhere, just not here. Now, this is the funniest comment we've ever had on this show because it's off the Immuni Financial ad read, which after every ad read, Scott goes, John, we got to make it up to Colorado. Everyone's going to Colorado with Scott. Oh, my goodness. Benjamin, I the rumor that Russell Wilson made it up to Colorado. No, with Immuni Financial, if he's been using them for his contract for the last few years, he probably did. Absolutely outstanding. Russell Wilson did make it up to Colorado. Do we have Immuni It's not an Immuni Financial day, but I feel like I might just need to play it. Probably should. I mean. That's I like incredible. the juju pick though a lot. Um, because I don't, you know, the wide receiver three and four slot was just a hot mess this season. And of course, I was majorly rooting for two guys in that group and it just didn't pan out. So I think that that would be very helpful. I think his size, his capability, and and you know, that outburst that he brings in the wide receiver position would be really nice. We don't the know outburst. what it's gonna look like when it comes to that outburst. We don't need another Pittsburgh receiver causing outbursts at the not position. that kind of outburst. The outburst of just like pure athleticism. Are you kidding me? Yeah. Do you see our we traffic that month? We definitely do. Oh my god. Yeah, right. Yeah. And, and start on the Saints uh, on the Saints uh Florida Lee in the middle of the field. We're oh, good. Yeah. We're golden. No. <laughs> and Casey, we'll, we'll make sure to add that to his contract. No leaving the field. Right. Um, or removing your uniform in the middle of the game. Yeah. But- and Casey, I think you touched on, on kind of where I was going with the battle plan. So given the fact that I wasn't going after a more established quarterback and the idea would be that Kyle Trask in the back half of the year, we'd see what, what do we have with him? I wanted to make sure that some of the questions that you've seen with other young quarterbacks mm-hmm. over the last few years, I think um, uh, the Giants are a great uh, example with Daniel Jones, where you know, he's in year five and they're like, well, what do we what do we have if he gets weapons? I wanted to make sure that that question could be answered very early with Trask. So you have Mike Evans, you have Chris Godwins, you have Juju and you have um, Chris, um, Christian Watson and then Jared Cook uh, blocking issues aside, you've got five playmakers um, that he can work with. So yeah. you hope by the end of the year, you have a really good idea of what you have with him and then allows you to go into 2023 with a really good idea of what we need to do at the quarterback position. And I definitely yeah. agree with that. A lot of my harp on Trask is not only because I absolutely hate UF, it's because like you come in and you compete with a guy like Felipe Franks and it just kind of, there Listen, was no, there was no them to trade with. Casey huh? wants them to trade with the Saints to get Blake Bortles back because he's the only UCF. She's at this point, she yeah. wants Dalte Culpepper out of retirement to play for <laughs> any, any UCF quarterback. I'll take anybody outside of the UF. No, I'm just kidding. Um, I'm going to get so much crap for this. But aside from that, uh, like FSU fans will love it. So, Damian, I'm Pierce just thinking if they go out, is, it, it, she goes after Blake Bortles, you're just going down Jacksonville quarterback, you know, history, right? I mean, especially yeah. with Leftwich at the offensive coordinator. Casey, I mean, please tell me what, your thought, what are your thoughts on this third round pick, Damian Pierce? What are your thoughts on that? No, no. We got to save him for Scott. Save yeah. it on another show. Don't we'll save it for up, Scott. Jason. We still got to talk about friends. <laughs> um, <laughs> here's the thing with the Trask, though. You were you were competing against Felipe Franks. Felipe had a lot of games where it was just kind of like, I mean, the chest pain. I feel for all the UF fans that had to sit at the patio here in Tampa Bay and really hope that something better was going to progress. But having weapons, yes, I think that's going to really truly show us mm. what can what can come of it. What I didn't love, though, is that this is the guy that you invested in and drafted. And in some of the fourth quarter games where they really could have given him a chance to just throw one freaking pass, they gave it to Blaine Gabbert, who didn't need the reps. That was an opportunity missed, in my opinion. That was kind of a a, he's really not quite ready yet. And to go from zero games to get one rep to all of a sudden playing, what, half of a season or jumping in and switching out with Blaine Gabbert, it doesn't particularly add up for me. I just usually feel like there's more strides of faith before somebody starts coming in with, with a with a bigger um you know opportunity there yeah Yeah. i totally get where you're coming from on that i think for for me it's a complete change of where the the roster and where the organization is 
versus where they're going, right? Last yeah. year, you're not putting Trask in that situation. You're not rostering him on game day because you're in win now mode. You're not in win now mode at this point. You're in let's learn how we can get to win now mode. And that's where you give him those opportunities. But I totally understand where you're, you're coming from on that one. Yeah. yeah. And by the way, for people... Damian Pierce. No. Yeah. <laughs> Josh had Damian Pierce in his mock draft to the box yes, in the late third round pick. It's a good pick. And we'll let Scott harp on it tomorrow because I know he'll want to. The absolute hater for no reason at all that Scott is of Damian Pierce. Shake my head. Thank you so much for coming on. Josh Capo, ladies and gentlemen, making his Pewter Report podcast debut. This man is writing articles at the speed of sound. It is incredible, yeah. and we are going to try and keep putting as many up as we can, especially over this free agency offseason period. He's going to answer as many of your questions as possible. He had one up yesterday about the dead cap situation. He will continue to put out his articles this week to prep you for free agency next week. Nobody doing it better right now, and so we appreciate you. Thank you so much for jumping in here, Josh. Thanks, yes, guys. Yes. Absolutely. Josh Capo, ladies and gentlemen, as uh, JC sends him out with some applause. I've got to mention, speaking of applause, let's give a round of applause here for our friends over at Pin Chasers, because Pin Chasers, what's great about them is that it's bowling food and fun for your whole family. You can jump into bowling leagues, including the Pewter Report Bowling League, birthday parties, there's team building, fundraisers, and there's three different locations. I was at one the other night and there were like 25 people in line. <laughs> it's a big location. So they are absolutely bumping on the weekends. It's awesome. Uh, but Pin Chase is a place you can go with the whole family. The food is outstanding. They've got all, like all day breakfast thing going on. They got an all you can eat pizza night. I mean, look at the pizza on the screen. My mouth is literally watering right now. I'm looking at that pizza. And so it's great stuff from our friends at Pin Chasers. Make sure you check them out at one of their three locations there in Zephyr Hills, Tampa, or Midtown and Veterans uh, and down in Tampa. Uh, it's great stuff, and uh, hopefully you get a chance to take your family uh, there as well uh, to check out all that they offer. Okay, crew, let's uh, wrap it up with this. Aaron Rodgers going back to the Packers. Not many people having a rougher start to the week than Ian Rappaport, who <laughs> reported – I was told the Dalton Schultz thing. I think he jumped the gun on that a little bit, although it did end up being true. He jumped the gun on the Chris Godwin tag by several hours and actually had to take back the report and basically reiterate what everybody had been saying for a while, that they were just working, and if they didn't get to a deal by the deadline, they would tag Godwin. Thanks, we knew that. And then he said Aaron Rodgers reported contract terms, and Rodgers and Pat McAfee both refuted those terms, despite the fact that McAfee is boys with Ian Rappaport and has them on his show sometimes twice a week. So it's a little bit of an interesting <laughs> yeah. dynamic there, but bottom line, Rogers is going back to the Packers, the NFC with Russell Wilson going out to the Broncos. Looks like it's going to be Rams and Packers with the Cowboys kind of mixing in there. And then we'll talk about the bucks in a second. We only have a couple minutes left in the show. I want to say this very quickly. There are thankfully not in this chat. Y'all have been great, but there are some people who cannot do basic logic reasoning when it comes to Russell Wilson and thinking that the Bucs were not competitive for his services, the Broncos have a, a better package to be able to offer because they have the ninth pick in the draft and are less likely to have the 32nd pick in the draft, for example, next year than the Bucs would be if the Bucs got Russell Wilson. Just reality. They play in a super tough division. It's a smart gamble by Seattle to think it could be better. They could still be like third or fourth in that division and probably will be. So it's a very smart trade by Seattle. Denver was an obvious partner if they wanted to trade Russell Wilson. The Bucs obviously were not. Then there's the most important factor. Russell Wilson has a no-trade clause, and he wanted to stay on the West Coast. He wanted to play out West. The Broncos were his top choice from the very beginning. When Seattle first approached him about it at the beginning of the offseason, that's where he wanted to go, and that hasn't changed at all through the process. Multiple people reporting that. It was never going to happen, Russell Wilson, to the Bucs. He was off the table for the box period end of story. So we don't need to revisit it. We don't need to talk about it on future podcasts, but I'll say this Casey, I'll go JC, JC wrap thing up. What Casey happens now with the NFC, you look at the state of things. You see, obviously the Rams are prepping to load up. It looks like the Packers are going to have to make some cuts, but they're going to have a competitive roster. And obviously the two-time MVP back at quarterback. We know about their playoff struggles. Everybody is probably going to list those in the chat. I found that out on Twitter today when I said the Packers could contend for the NFC. No, they can't do that. Rogers there. Um, and then the Cowboys, we'll see what happens with their offseason, but it seems like they're cutting half their good players. So that's a problem. Uh, NFC, the Bucks. what do you see? Where's their place in this whole madness? You know, 
The hardest part is, I mean, what Devontae Adams went on the franchise tag a couple hours ago as well. And then this Oh, whole, did it did it officially? I didn't yeah, yeah. I haven't seen. I'm sure it that did. one got announced. So now you have Devontae Adams back as well as um Aaron Rodgers. I don't know why I almost called him Patrick Mahomes. <laughs> Aaron Rodgers and I, you know, you can't overlook what they did as a duo with the fact that they didn't have too many, too many key pieces to help them move along. Um, they had just enough. So depending on what their moves are with free agency and heading into the draft, the Packers are going to be contenders next year to really kind of make people pay for it. Uh, Rams, there's, I'd really have to look into the, some of the contracts yeah. that people are going to get back, but you know, this whole create the, the the best team in the league is just translated from the NBA into the NFL and people are going to do what they can to stay on certain teams to chase championships. Hence, you know, the bucks with the 22 starters last season. So I think with the, we kind of have to call it what it is now. The Bucks are going mm -hmm. to be rebuilding, whether they like it or not. It's no longer a polish. So I would, I would kind of still lead them into the middle of the pack. You yeah. really just need a decent quarterback if you continue to have these weapons at wide receiver and everyone stays healthy. But it's just such right. a risky gamble when it comes to to that injury concept and maintaining your defense because at the end of every game, it's the defense that really pulls through. So I could see the Bucks really coming in at the middle of the pack. If they make very significant offseason moves and make sure that that defense stays pretty strengthened and, you know, they kind of level out averagely offensively and we keep the mm -hmm. weapons that, that the Bucks have, then maybe a little bit above the middle of the pack. But right now I just really see the middle with, with where they're right. at with rebuilding. Yeah, JC, 10 seconds. Deshaun Watson, is he actually – it could have happened to the Bucs. 10 seconds. We're wrapping up the show. Well, I got to uh, go. Uh, apparently Tom Palacero is reporting that he will plea on the fifth. So uh, this – He's, he's going to be having his um, legalities situated. Legalities yeah. presented okay. on the Friday, and who will right. plead the fifth? So, who knows? We'll see. We'll see. We'll talk about it tomorrow, too. Yeah, Scott okay. and I are going to talk about it on tomorrow's podcast. Lots to talk about. And uh, we got Matt Matera breaking down his Bucks battle plan as well tomorrow. So, it should be a great show. And the pod is always 4 p.m. Eastern tomorrow. We'll break it all down. To everybody, make sure you hit the like button before you go out of the chat. Hit the thumbs up. Uh, give us some love. Subscribe if you're not to the Pewter Report podcast. It's great stuff. We're live every uh, weekday, Monday, Wednesday, Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, 4 p.m. Eastern. Make sure you hit the like button and subscribe. Thanks so much, everybody, for listening to another edition of the Pewter Report podcast.